Amen. Come on, people of God, let us put our hands together in the house of the Lord and give God a radical praise. Come on, beautiful people. Let's give God glory in this house. He is worthy. We thank him for who he is. We glorify him. We magnify him. He is able. We appreciate him for who he is and for what he has done in our lives. We're so grateful to you, beautiful people, for being here on this evening. And uh, we honor God and uh, we're extremely um, grateful to be in the house of the Lord. And I think that we are sideways. Um, we thank God so much for you all being here with us on tonight. And we give God glory and we give him honor. Amen. It's such a privilege and an honor for us to be here and having a, a few technical difficulties. Um, but how be ever we are going to um, give the word of the Lord and we are going to um, uh, let you get out of here. But we are so grateful again for each of you in your respective places. We give honor to our apostle in his absence on tonight. You may have your seats, beautiful people, in the presence of the almighty God. And I tell you that I just know... Uh, that this word is going to be a blessing to us on tonight because when I tell you if it ain't been one thing or another since I got off from work this evening, um, but I'm grateful to God and I trust God that he is going to speak what he needs to speak to our ears. And again, I'm just so grateful for the grace and the mercy of God and his favor that he extends in my life. Um, and, and sometimes we can take for granted uh, what God does for us and, and how he does it um, for us. But I'm grateful that I got enough sense, Pastor Mason, to know that I am living a blessed life. I, I'm I'm. I'm I'm grateful enough for what he has done and for every opportunity that he has given to me this week alone just to share the goodness of the Lord and just to share of uh, how powerful the spirit of God is. And I'm still so full um, from Sunday um, and Pentecostal Sunday and, and how we, the Lord showed up in the midst of us. And we talked about, um, the replacement and we talked about, uh, God and how the Holy spirit is more powerful than our flesh. Uh, the, the desires that we may have, if we say that we have the spirit of God, we say that we have the Holy Spirit and we, I'm talking about really got it, not just talking to talk, but walking to walk. When we say we have the, the Holy Ghost, that means that if Jesus Christ and the God, our father saw fit to leave the Holy Ghost as a replacement for Jesus in the earth, then that means the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit is more power. It's powerful enough for us to walk holy, to keep and our lives to be um, under the subjection of the Spirit, right? Which means um, it's not easy for me to get off track. 
It's not easy for me to just live any kind of way. It's not easy for me to just fall for anything because I got the Holy Spirit in me that the Bible says leads us and guides us. Listen into all truth. And, and when I tell you that, that should be, if you, um, if you just can, if, if you've made any confession whatsoever about you having the Holy Ghost and that thing will make you, listen, it'll make you walk right even when you don't want to. It'll, it'll pull your mind back in when it tries to go wayward. Whenever the enemy tries to get you to go left or right, to get you to, to, to come short, to get you to trip up, it's that Holy Ghost that said, uh-uh. Not that way. Go the other way. Do this. And I'm grateful, y'all. I, I feel this down in my spirit. I'm grateful that I truly know. I know without a shadow of a doubt that I have the Holy Ghost. Because it's been some times. I know. You just think about it. It's been some times when when I, I, I made up in my mind that I wanted to do wrong. That I wanted to do evil for evil. That I wanted to be vengeful. That I wanted to get back at people. But the Holy Ghost that I have. God have mercy. Well, pull it snatched and pulled me back into alignment with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Um, and so I'm grateful for that. And I strongly believe, uh, beautiful people, that uh that that I have the Holy Ghost. I, I don't need uh anybody's um co-signing or anything. I know. And in and, and this walk with Jesus, you just got to know what you know about you. You got to know your relationship. I don't care what people say about you, how uh, negative they may be or what they, I know what I know about Jesus and I know whose I am and I know who I am. I don't, I don't need any permissions. I don't need any, uh, you know, pats on the back about it. I'm secure in my salvation. That's good. Please write that down. Uh, I am secure in my salvation. That means I'm not a wavering. That means that I'm not skeptical about it. And I'm not confused about it by any means. I am secure in my salvation. I know I love Jesus. I, I know that I'm, I'm saved. I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I'm justified. I know that I've been redeemed by God. So I, I, you can't trip me up. <laughs> you, can't, you can't trip me up. You, know I mean? you can't make me feel bad. You know, sometimes, sometimes we get to the point where we allow people to make us feel bad about who we are in God and, and our choice to live whole and our choice to, to walk right. But as for me, y'all, I'm, I'm 1,000% convinced um, that I am secure. And not only am I secure in my salvation, but I, um, I'm like uh, David, not that I've lost it, but I have the joy of my salvation. I'm not walking around disgruntled because I'm living a gospel life. I'm not walking around, you know, uh, in a pity party because, you know, I've, I've chosen this, this way to live. And some people, you know, they like, they be shamed to tell people they go to church, shame to tell people that they're committed to God. 
Child, not me. I wasn't shamed when I was in the world to do what I was doing then. I wasn't bored in the world. You wasn't bored in the world. Quit playing. So I'm not bored in the world. I wasn't bored in the world. I'm not bored in the kingdom. I'm not sad. My walk with Jesus is not sad. I don't live a boring, isolated, non-existent life. I have fun. I smile. I laugh. I joke. I cut up. I, I smile in church. I smile away from church. Because I have the joy of my salvation. Yes? And so we're grateful because of that. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm grateful. I, I don't... I, I don't know. I don't. I just don't think I could be. I don't think I could be moved to to follow somebody or move to believe that somebody loved Jesus and and they have the joy of their salvation. When every time you see them, they got a sad story. Ain't got nothing good to say about nothing. I, you know, when you have the joy, when you got the joy of your salvation, you can be in the middle of hell. You can be going through the worst. You can be feeling the worst. You can be sick. You can be down in your body, but you find a way to say, you know what? And not that you make it up, but you say, you know what? I believe whew, that God has a purpose and a plan for my life. All things are going to work together for the good. You know, you find something positive to say and to be joyful and happy about even in the worst of times. That's what I feel is the joy of my salvation. I don't want to be around no boring Christians. Nah, and I mean that. I do not want to be around Christian believers who love Jesus, uh, know about his work that he done, that he did while he was on the earth and did on the cross and, and how he died and how he was raised again and, and how he walked and how he was ascended and left us with the gift. That's what the Bible said. Left us with the gift of the comforter, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Mm-mm. No, I get joy when I think about it. I get joy when I think about what God has done for me. If you don't mind, beautiful people, get out your Bibles. We're going to uh, begin this evening's teaching. And I pray, I really, really, really pray that I am able to um, maneuver through all of what God gave me in regard to this. That's, that's, that's my hope and my desire. Again, we thank God for our apostle uh, who is not here in a portion of um, the fellowship that is not with us because they are on a fishing trip. All right. So the book of Nahum, and we're going to begin reading at verse number seven. We're going to begin reading at verse number seven, and I will be in the good news translation. Uh, the book of Nahum is in the Old Testament, chapter number 1 and verse number 7. And the word of God reads, the Lord is good. A strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in him. But he will sweep away his enemies in an overwhelming flood. He will pursue his foes into the darkness of night. Verse 9 says, why are you scheming 
against the Lord. He will destroy you with one blow. He won't need to strike twice. Verse 10 says his enemies tangled like thorn bushes and staggering like drunks will be burned up like dry stubble in a field. Oh, my God. Um, If I had to use for a subject on tonight to just captivate you and give you something to kind of hold on and to think of um, as we move through this Bible study tonight, something that you can write down at the top of your page. It's when I'm fed up. When I'm fed up. Help me through here, Jesus. When I'm fed up. Uh, All of us have a tolerance threshold where it's only so much of anything that we can take. Uh, I know we, I talked about it earlier about being secure in our salvation. And sometimes some people, will make the assumption that just because you are saved and just because you are the called of God uh, and just because you um, have the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit that you don't ever supposed to get to the point where you get fed up. Somebody say it with me. The devil is a liar. All of us, regardless of who we are or what our rank and title and position is in the kingdom and in the church, we all have a tolerance threshold of what we can deal with and put up with before we get fed up. Um. In the book of Nahum, um, this minor prophet gives us some insight into a vision that he had. And in this vision, he saw where the Lord had gotten to the point where he was fed up. So if, if God the Father can get fed up with the conduct and the behavior and the character or lack thereof, the integrity or lack thereof uh, with the people whom he created. If, if he can get to the point where he get fed up, we can get to the point where we get fed up. Right? So the book of Nahum is dedicated to giving us a brief look at the judgment of God imposed upon Nineveh. Okay. Um, He gives us some insight. And Nineveh was the capital of Assyria who was an oppressive, oppressive enemy to the children of Israel or to the Israelites. So in Nineveh, if you look and we'll go back and we'll talk about it just in just a minute. Uh, if you go back even during Jonah's time, 
Nineveh is described as being cruel and arrogant. Good God Almighty. Being cruel and arrogant. And I don't know about you, but today, in today's time, in today's society, Sister Toya, I know some people who are cruel, and I know who some people who are arrogant, some people who uh, just refuse to be humble, people who are cruel. They have evil doing and wrongdoing seated um, at the base or at the foundation of their actions. And, and it's sad that we see more cruelty and more arrogance in the church um, as we do. Um, and, 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 it's, and it's embarrassing and it's shameful, but it's true. And Nineveh was that type of people who uh, the Bible uh, says in, in that, that Nineveh was considered the blood city because they were wicked, evil. Brutal. And when we talk about Nineveh, we again can go back to what really put Nineveh on the map for me was Jonah's experience. Um, Jonah was given instructions and assignment and order for him to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel in hopes that this cruel, arrogant, and evil and brutal nation would repent and change their ways. Jonah said, uh-uh. Jonah, Jonah was like a lot of us. Jonah, Jonah, listen now, Jonah wasn't filled with grace. Jonah was not merciful. He wasn't no merciful preacher. Because Jonah stood from the perspective of if they doing all of this and you're so angry with them, God, why won't you just kill them? Won't you just take them out? If you are that angry and frustrated and mad with them, why won't you allow your wrath to be felt in this land? So Jonah was like, I ain't going. I ain't going. And so that's when he made his detour to Tarshish. Now, we go back as, you know, the story of Jonah. He goes and da-da-da-da-da. They cast lots. and uh, they, they, He's causing all of this chaos and, and storms in the lives of innocent people. They put lots and Jonah gets thrown over. He gets swallowed up by this big fish. And after three days, then he just gets, you know, thrown out of the fish, vomited out of the fish. And then the Lord speaks to him again and say, Hey, I don't care how left you went. This assignment, oh my God, I felt Jesus right there. This assignment is still yours. 
So let me take a moment to prophesy to somebody that no matter how left you go or how contrary you go to the will of God concerning your life and what he has called you to do, you may have gotten off track. You may have been disobedient. You may have been rebellious, but the assignment, Lord have mercy, still belongs to you. I wish you would just look at somebody down your row and say the assignment is still yours. I don't care how chaotic you your life has been. I don't care how disappointing the days, the past days and months of your life has been. Whenever you get to the point where you realize I can't run from this assignment that's on my life. I cannot run from what God is calling me to do. And no matter how crazy I get, how crazy I act, God still has that same assignment. Oh my God. Over your life. Be careful, little girl. Don't get too happy. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's still yours. Care how much you run. Now, granted, the Lord could have chosen somebody else in the time between Jonah's rebellion and disobedience to him being placed back on dry land. The Lord could have chose somebody else. He said, no, I don't. Because, oh God, because of the weight of this assignment, I can't use nobody else's voice but yours. Jesus, I wish I had a church in here. I I, I don't care how anointed he is. I don't care how anointed she is. I don't care how anointed they are for this particular assignment. I need your voice. Somebody please say it with me. For my assignment that God has given to me, he needs my voice. Can't nobody else accomplish this assignment. Can't nobody else do what God wants me to do and be successful the only way that is going to get done and get done right and get done with the effect that God wants it to have is that my voice has to, it was Jonah's voice that had to be spoken that had to be heard in Nineveh And just think of all the people that God has assigned to you and you're going left and you're refusing to obey and do what God has called you to do. All of those people that are waiting and still caught up in the middle of their sins, in the midst of their hardship because you refuse to do what God has called you to do and you expect God to reassign the work to somebody else. God is not going to reassign that which belongs to you. He is not going to give somebody else what he has called and chosen for you to do. So no matter how much you run, no matter how much you fight, no matter how much you kick against it, God is going to use your voice one way or the other. And if he has to isolate you and put you by yourself to redirect your attention on your assignment, God have mercy, he's going to do that because your voice Voice. Yeah. Yeah. Help me, Jesus. 
Lord have mercy. I don't know who I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. You 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 thought that you were just going to escape doing what God has called you to do. I don't care how long you've been absent from the church. I don't care how much you've been fighting and kicking. God is going to get out of you. Yeah, this is my assignment. This is my assignment. This is what God has equipped and called uh, and, and established and settled for me to do. And you're waiting on somebody else to do it and it ain't going to happen. I'm just going to let them handle it. That ain't, that's not their assignment. So, eventually, uh, eventually Jonah goes to Nineveh. <laughs> he realizes I cannot escape. Now, this is not even a part of the message, but it's just so good. He realizes that he cannot escape, Melanie Thompson, that he cannot escape this assignment that's on his life. And that he has... By commission, he has to go. So when he goes to Nineveh and he does what God tells him to do, he goes to Nineveh and he preaches and he prophesies. And because because his voice had been anointed for the assignment, the Bible says that Nineveh, the kings, and all of the king's men became repentant. The king wrapped himself in sackcloth and repented. Boy, have mercy. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Look, see, this is what happens. This is how successful ministry is when you obey after you have been anointed for the assignment. Lord, I'm going to walk... I'm going to walk through my house saying that all night till I fall asleep. You have been anointed for every assignment that God has given to you. And when you open your mouth, listen, when you open your mouth and your voice is heard in the atmosphere as a result of your obedience, change is going to happen. What, whatever God meant to happen. So the Lord sends him back to Nineveh. He goes, he does what he's assigned to do, and repentance takes place. And because, this is getting good, because uh, repentance takes place, the Lord spared Nineveh. But there was a problem, people. Nineveh, did not hold on to their repentance. Because because the people in Nineveh repented but wasn't converted. Okay? They repented but they were not converted. Okay, what do you mean by that, Smith? Repentance is 
being remorseful and being sorry. Being converted means you have a change of behavior, a change of mind, a change of character, and a change of function. So a lot of people, we, because, because, because we see people repent, we automatically assume that they're converted. So a lot of people, they come to the altar and repent, but they don't have any change of behavior. And so that's what happened with Nineveh. Because, listen, because if, if you repent and have no change of behavior, you're going to repeat. Okay, repentance without conversion leads to repetition. So Nineveh repents, but don't change. They sorry, but don't change. How many people have you had in your life? Now we talk about when I get fed up. That's, the, that's what we talk about today. How many people have you had in your life who's, 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 who's done some wrong to you, who's done some act to you, who's done some evil to you, oh my God, that they said they were sorry, but they didn't change. And so they repeated the same behaviors and the same conduct the following week, the following month. Some people sorry for two months. But then they revert. Revert. They revert and go back to who they used to be. And so that's exactly what Nineveh did. They repented, but they were not converted. And so here now we find ourselves in the book of Nahum in chapter number one. And we're going to look about, look at it. This is a message about Nineveh. This is a message about, and we're talking about when I get fed up. Because when you get fed up, I, I believe this here, that when you get fed up, you don't put up. What the same stuff you used to put up when you when you really I can tell when people done really got fed up with the life of sin when they really done got fed up with uh, uh, things being as they were you like I'm finna put my foot down and I'm not going to allow myself to be treated like this anymore I'm not going to allow myself to be walked on like that anymore I'm not going to keep going back to you and and you saying you sorry but then you do the same thing and I'm trying to figure out how can I get Get out of this. I'm fed up now. That means if I got to, I got to cry walking out the door. If I got to, if I got to hold myself together while I'm packing my junk in the car. When I'm fed up, I'm fed up. I mean, I got to do something to let you know that I'm not going to allow you to do me the way you did. I feel like preaching this thing. Uh, that, that's, that's why you got to be sometimes. You got to say, you know what? I'm tired of going around in these circles in order for me to let you know how fed up I am. I've got to do something to get your attention. To let you know that I'm serious. I'm not saying this the same way I said it last month and six months ago. I mean it. And so this time you got to get your clothes from out the closet and just not just to the front door where you stop and you put your bag at the front door. No baby. When you get fed up you don't stop. Even if they grab the bag of clothes from you. You say I know God to give me some new threads. You can have that. When you're fed up, you'll start over. When you're fed up, you don't, you'll leave broke. You ain't got to have nothing. When you're fed up, 
shoes. You can have the ring. You can have the TV. You can have everything. Because I believe that when I get fed up and I say, God, I can't take no more. And I walk out, God is going to restore. I dare you look at somebody and say, God, and give it back to you. Sometimes you just got to leave everything. I'm talking about when you get fed up. When you get fed up. Sit down, let me. Oh, Oh my. This, This is a message about Nineveh. The account of a vision. So this is not actual. Right? This is a vision. This is, remember, I'm not going to even go back to Sunday because it'll stir up some more stuff. But this is a foresight. Okay? A warning, so to speak. Because it's a vision, not something that's happening at the moment. Okay? He has the account of a vision seen by Nahum, who was from Elkosh. Now, verse 2, it says, The Lord God tolerates no rivals. This is, this is Nahum. He's, he's setting up this vision for us. And he starts off by saying, let me just make this plain. God does not tolerate. Remember I said in the beginning that we all have a what? Tolerance threshold where we reach that point where we get fed up. The Lord God tolerates no rivals. That means rival, enemy, opposition. He doesn't tolerate it. I don't know. know. You know, there's certain things that you'll say, um, I can take a little bit of. You know, I, I can take one incident. You know, I can take one infraction. I can take one heartbreak. But I, I cannot take two. You put it in your own life. I'm just giving an example. Tolerates no rivals. He punishes those who oppose him, God have mercy, in his anger, he pays them. Listen, if you're a child of God, anything that bothers you bothers your daddy. God have mercy. Anything or anybody who bothers you, it bothers your daddy. And so that's why the word of God tells us through and through that whenever wrong has been done to you, Sister Acre, that that you don't have to worry about trying to get uh, revenge or, or, or payback. Here it is right here. I don't have to do it because my God is going to take care of that. And I was talking on the morning shift this morning. Uh, I was talking this morning and, and I said, you know, it's, it's something about whenever you can have peace. 
laying in your bed at night after somebody has done you wrong simply because of the fact, not that because you wasn't hurt, but simply from the fact that you know God has a way of paying back and taking care of that. And the way he does it is more lasting than anything that we can do. It's more impactful than anything we can do. So whenever you have people who are opposing you, when you have enemies and you have rivals and you have people in your life or things or entities in your life that oppose you, don't worry about trying to snap back, clap back, come back, bounce back. You don't need to do none of that because God is, he is like the king of payback. King of payback. Vengeance is mine. God have mercy. What do you think you can do that can equate to what God can do? Huh? Nothing. Nothing. Let him handle it. Because I know that, 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 that if he get angry enough, they can be in good health today. Tomorrow. They can, they, can, they can have a good job today. See, now all you're going to do is you're going to try to post pictures and you're going to try to get on social media and blast them. You may flatten the little ties and everything, and then you gonna somebody going to see you because you know you're supposed to love the Lord. And anytime you love the Lord and God has called you, you can't ever get away with nothing. Somebody going to be videoing you. Somebody camera going to be on. Uh, you know, the, the light going to come on, and somebody going to come out to that car in the middle of the night when you least expect it, and you're going to get caught. I, I'm telling you. I'm one of them people just going to get caught by everything. You know, no, no. So, so, so instead of me putting myself and my freedom and, and everything at jeopardy, my reputation, my character and integrity, I ain't got to worry about, I don't even waste no time trying to plot a plan because that don't make me no better than the people who oppose me because now I'm opposing them. So I just, you know, okay, they did it. God. The bank account get tied up, tied up and dried up. And they be like, I don't know what happened. I do. Oh, how, how you been treating God's people? That's what's happening. In his anger, he pays them back. Look at verse number three. And this is, this is, this is, this got me, pastor. This, this, this took me out. This took me out here. This this took me out. Listen, again, the subject for tonight is when I get fed up. This should let all of us know how much and how bad Nineveh was. This, This first line, this first clause should tell you just how horrible Nineveh was. The Lord does not easily become, so whenever he gets fed up, just think of how much we've done that we've escaped judgment 
and his wrath. Come on, y'all know, y'all know, y'all know somebody in your family that it take a whole bunch of bunch for them to get mad. They usually be like, you know, I'm just not going to worry about it. God is God. I'm going to let God handle it. Child, that ain't nothing. And, 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 you know, you like, okay. But if your children, you got children, but if your, one of your kids come in the house and say that that child that's real easy going punched them in the throat, you'll say, well, what you did? Cause you, your sister ain't just going, or your brother just ain't going to punch you in the throat for no reason. You done pushed them off the bicycle. You done threw them off the top bunk. You done body slammed them off the roof and they ain't done nothing. So what did you do? <laughs> to make them respond to you like that. So you'll be thinking, like, if God is ain't you people talking about, oh, I think God mad at me. Well, what all have you done? I mean, I got time. Because I want to hear. Because in order for him to get to the point where he wants to destroy. Must have been something crazy. Says the Lord does not easily become angry. He does not. This is the uh, message Bible for this particular verse or this particular part. Said, but but God does not lose his temper. Second part of this clause says, but He is powerful and never lets the guilty go unpunished. Listen to this. I was reading this, Pastor. You got. Oh, girl, girl, Pastor Kelsey back there helping me out. This, this bothered me. This bothered me in a good way. This bothered me. Look at what it says. But God does not lose his temper. God have mercy. He's powerful, but it's a patient power. Now, I'm telling you, this threw me for a loop. Wait a minute. He's powerful. But but it's a patient power. Like, I can do it right now. But I'm going to hold off. That's what he did with Nineveh in the book of Jonah. Are you listening? That's what he did. He said, listen, Jonah, I could strike him dead. I could send plagues. I could send a famine. I could send a drought. I could just, I mean, I just could just go ahead and wipe out all of Assyria. Wipe out all of Nineveh. But my patience or my power is patient. I'm going to give you time. Oh, I wish somebody would say, thank you, God, for giving me time. But I'm going to give you time. Give you room to repent. Because you know how it is, y'all. When some per- when somebody has power and they have authority and you do something to make them mad, most of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the times, 
They'll want to use their power right then. Fire them. Oh, they did this about fire. Oh, God, I worked for somebody like that before. No matter what you did, if it, if it, if it rubbed them the wrong way, it wasn't, no, let me go through the progressive disciplinary action. You know, we have a conversation, and then we start documenting that conversation, and we start doing written letters, and you go from, I'm trying to remember what they, were, what they, were, they used to be called. You had a verbal counseling, then you had a written counseling, and then you had a written reprimand. You had to go through these steps before they could fire you, right? It, it, but somebody who abuses their authority and power at, at the first misstep, girl, at the first misstep, they be like, they fin- I'm finna fire, right? Get, go, boom. As a matter of fact, don't, don't even worry about cleaning out your office. You just go on and leave and we'll box it up and get it to you somehow. But the Lord said, hold on a minute. Let me, let, me, let me show you an example of someone who knows how to manage their authority and power. Although I could, I'm going to wait. Huh? Lord. Although I could, I'm going to wait. Although I can leave right now, I'm going to wait. I'm a, I, although I can pack my stuff and, 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 and again, go and start over, even if it's with nothing, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to give you a chance to change your behavior. I'm going to give you a chance to change your attitude. I'm going to give you a chance to change your mindset. Sometimes, so what does this say to us? Stop being so quick to pull the trigger on people. Give them some time to repent. So, oh my God. He says, God doesn't lose his temper. He's powerful, but it's a patient power. But look at the next word. Still, ain't nobody going to get by with nothing. Because some people think just because you have patient power that they can just do whatever and get away with it. Nahum said, let me just go and, and spread this message and share this word with you just because he got patient power, just because he gives you time to repent, time to get it together, time to get it fixed, time to get it right. You ain't going to get by. You think you're just going to keep doing what you're doing, and he's going to sit back and say, well, let him destroy another marriage. Let him destroy another church. Let him destroy another ministry. Let him destroy somebody else's integrity and reputation. He ain't just finna sit back now and let you do it, and, th- and you're going to get away just because of patient power. Some people think that just because you ain't done nothing then, that ain't nothing going to happen. You know how it is. Come on now, y'all got children. Play with me, if you will, this evening. But let me entertain you with this. You know they do it. They 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 done broke the glass table that you paid $700 for. And they know. Oh God. They know you mad. Cuz you done told them time after time. Day after day, do not play in my house. 
round my good table. You know, when they got the good, you know, you got the one room they can play in. But then the other one, don't you even walk through there. My husband was like that. When we lived in the house and had a living room in the den, honey, go in there and sit down on the sofa if you want to. Them boys are going, what y'all doing here? Go in the living room or the den. I get a mixed up, whichever room it was. We all had that room that that's for company. And company ain't sat in there either. Because all the company come, they come. So back to the glass breaking. You don't, you say something to them. They come home. You come home from work. Tired. Hot. And people done got on your nerves. And you walk in the door. And honey, they done try to put it back together. <laughs> done put, done put a, a tablecloth over top of your glass table that you knew wasn't there when you left. And you, you, what in the world is going on? And you're like, you know what? I ain't even got time. I don't got time. I'm not finna deal with this. I'm tired. I done had a long day of work. I'm hungry. I got a bunch of stuff to do. If y'all don't get in there and bathe. Get in there and bathe and get that kitchen clean up. So everybody moving along. We like, oh my God. Oh, you happy? You celebrating because you think you got by. Boy, right, before, right after you get out the tub. When you, when you least expect it. Oh, I guess you thought y'all were going to get away with breaking my table. You know how much I done paid? You, how many times I done told y'all? So... This is, this is what this is. They think that just because you ain't done nothing right then, they done got away with it. This is what he's saying. So it says sooner or later, everybody, everybody pays. It says when the Lord walks back to the good news translation, pastor, it says when the Lord walks, storms arise. When he's mad now. When he walks, storms will rise. The clouds are the dust raised by his feet. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I knew good and well when I was about to get a whooping. There was a certain footstep traffic that was different. Regular, I'm going to the kitchen to get something to eat. It's just like this. Sometimes you can barely hear them. They be tiptoeing. Don't want to wake the children up because they got to get up for school in the morning. Got to get them up for Sunday school. But hunted, when my daddy was made, my mama didn't really get mad. But when my daddy was mad, 
It's like he came in the door weighing 839,000 pounds. You know, you like hiding under the cover. This is what happens. I'm just trying to make it plain. When he's fed up, you can tell it in his response. Stop saying you fed up with things in your life and people can't tell it in your response. You can't, don't tell me you fed up now and the person that you fed up with don't know it or can't tell it. When he walks, you know it. I know when my husband mad with me. Yes, I do. I know. He got a certain look about him. Some of y'all done seen that same look. But my look is like 338 light years different from the look y'all get. But what I'm saying is, a person does not know when you have reached your tolerance threshold if your response does not change. If you're angry, then you know you're angry. You know, we try to keep it cool, calm, and collected because you don't want it to get out of hand. But when you're fed up, it's not even about, I don't care who here. Who hears or who heal. When you're fed up. When the Lord walks, storms arise. The clouds are the dust raised by his feet. He commands the sea and it dries up. That's how powerful he is. He makes the rivers go dry. The fields of Bashan wither, Mount Carmel turns brown, and the flowers of Lebanon fade. When he get fed up, mountains quake in the presence of the Lord. Bill, I mean, hills melt before him. The earth shakes when the Lord appears. The world and all its people tremble because when he is angry, God have mercy. When he is angry, who can survive? Because remember, he's powerful. Patient power. Still gets away with anything. So when he is angry, I got to get out of here. When he is angry, who can survive? Who can survive his terrible fury? He pours out his flaming anger. Rocks crumble to dust before him. But look at what it says. The Lord, in verse number 7, is good now. He's powerful. He, when he gets angry, ain't no, ain't no surviving who he's angry with. But he's still a good God. He protects his people. I'm angry. 
but I'll make sure I protect what's mine. Listen, I'm mad at you, boy. I'm mad at you, girl. I'm mad at you, husband. I'm mad at you, wife. I'm mad at you, boyfriend. I'm mad at you, girlfriend. But I ain't so angry at you that I forget to protect my children. Lord, have mercy. Good gracious. I am not so angry with you that I forget protect my people in this time of need. It ain't going to happen. It is not going to happen. He takes care of those who he looks, who turn to him. Listen, as bad as bad as Nineveh is, as brutal, as rebellious, as dangerous, 